Amen. Yes, we get a marriage panel this morning. So this is a little treat for all of you. Um, we have, uh, as part of our Love Is series, we are going to have a panel of three couples up here, uh, ranging from marriage uh, from, I think it's 17 years to 40 years. So we have a lot of experience up here. But please feel free to go ahead and text uh, a question to the number you see on that card. Did you get some, uh, did you get some questions? Sweet. Beautiful. Great. Okay. So let's introduce our couples. Are you guys ready? I feel like I'm on the newlywed game or something, right? No, this is really cool. Um, so the first couple, uh, they have been married 17 years. They're going to join us up here this morning. Can you guys give a hand clap for Justin and Kristen Kemp? They're going to join us this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Second, we have married for 22 years, Mr. and Mrs. Brent and April Haynes. Married 22 years. Let's go. Yes, they're joining us this morning. We appreciate your guys' participation. They, like, walked in. They were like, you know, like, what are we doing this morning? I'm like, don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be awesome. This is wonderful. Hey, just so you guys know, there's there's mugs up here, but there's nothing in them. I think that's that's really funny. So yeah, you guys you guys can just pretend you're 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 taking a sip or a drink there. Yeah, some of you probably wish there was coffee in there, right? And last but certainly not least, uh, this couple just walked in the building this morning. We asked them, hey, would you guys be willing to be part of our marriage uh, panel for our Q and A session this morning? And they uh, completely uh, agreed and wanted to do it. So married 40 years, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bob and Veronica Foley. Yeah. Married 40 years. What is up with that? That is amazing. So I told Adam, too, whenever, uh, whenever we, while we were setting this up, I was like, we might need to build a bigger stage if we want to do more of these in the future. So how are you guys doing this morning? Are you ready? Yeah, please get your, please get your uh, qu fast fingers ready. And uh, we're going to go ahead and I'm just joking, just, just messing around. Um, let's go ahead and, and ask a few questions here. So we have a few. Oh, they're going to get the mic ready. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with this question. Um, wow, yeah, these are really great. These are really great, great questions. Um, let's see. I got like a, a bunch of them here. Okay, great, great, great open-ended question. Um, what advice do you give newlyweds, if you have, or what advice would you give, and what is your best advice for those married a long time? Bob, yeah, man. You gotta have a microphone. I love microphones. <laughs> now, Toastmaster always. All right, the best advice I can give any newlywed couple is you gotta keep the humor in your marriage because you're both coming from different backgrounds and you've both been raised differently everybody's got their own opinions and when things get tense you gotta have that sense of humor to bring you back out of it Kath right <laughs> she knows she saw mom and dad with our disagreements over the years but that would be the advice I would give a couple. Could you could you share an experience, like a 30-second story of humor in your marriage, what, a situation? Not embarrassing. I said just humorous. Okay. Um, okay, so maybe we're fighting over something. Okay. Okay. And so 
We're fighting. Long whatever. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'll like just throw something at him, like a, t- a dish towel or something. Just say, and we just get wrapped, and then it's all okay. Please tell me, have have any of you ever thrown something at your spouse? Not like a, a weight or an anvil, but you've thrown like the dish towel or something, right? Okay, it happens. It happens. Great. Um, what about what about um, what about newlyweds? What what advice would you guys give give to new to newlyweds? I know that kind of ties into it, but um, any any other advice? I mean, I would say we're with newlyweds is to never have a plan B. I mean, have all make sure that everything you guys do in your life is uh, contingent on bringing the other person with you. I think a lot of times still want to have their own life not fully realize that there's stuff they may not have like part of their own life for this other person yeah that's really good no plan b i think it's something that uh, a new the new generation needs to hear that if something's uh broken then you fix it you you do what you need to do to make sure that you're moving forward whether that's um you know counseling whether that's having a mentor couple somebody who can encourage you and and walk through those tough tough areas of life with you. Um, really, really great question here. What if you have been a Christian for a while, but you still don't feel God's love? So not necessarily on the, on the topic of marriage, but on the topic of love in general. What if, what if you have been, been a Christian for a while, but you still don't feel God's love? That's a good one. No, I was. I grew up in a Catholic uh, church. Um, I didn't know God loved me. I went to church all the time, and we talked about God, but didn't really know He loved me until someone shared with me that if I was the only person alive, He would have gone to the cross for me. And it took me a while, and I think through people loving me and reading the Scripture reading his word, for God so loved the world. And I put my name in it. For God so loved Veronica that he gave his only begotten son. So if you really don't know if God loves you, just ask him, just seek him, and just let him just wrap his arms around you. He might use a person. You might just feel him. But um, just keep seeking him, and you will find him. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Fantastic. And the last question we have, this morning for you guys is how do you keep the spark alive and how does God help that? How does God assist in that? <laughs> go ahead, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely date nights. Yes. I think it's really important because it's about kind of hurts, <laughs> um, but they're amazing, and like we're finding each other again, I think right after that, what are some things that uh, all of you have done uh, for date night, 
What are give give some examples other than just maybe a maybe a dinner and a movie? Have has there been any other uh, out bowling? Yes, <laughs> bowling. That's great. So keeping keeping it uh, keeping a variety, making sure that you guys are spending time uh, with each other. That's very very crucial. Do we have time for one more? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, let's go ahead and kids. Do you see a question for kids? Okay, how do you handle different opinions in bound and boundaries for your children? How do you handle different opinions? <laughs> well, I mean, if we're talking about raising the kids, I mean, I, I think sometimes you really got to be on the same page. That that is something that really has to be, I believe, a hundred percent together on. There can't be a difference between what mom says. And sometimes it's okay just to say, all right, kid, time out. You know what? Mom and I are going to go talk about this, figure this out, and then we'll get back to you. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're, you know, th- it needs to be sure, it needs to be important that mom and dad arrive at that. I know in my home it was always, you know, go ask your dad, and then I went and asked my dad, and it was go ask your mom. And they, sometimes they agreed, but sometimes they had different opinions. So in my mind it was like, Oh man, they really don't know what's what's going on. I mean, it's just it's a harsh reality. But as a kid, you know, that's that's something that they I think they want and they desire. They desire to see a strong unit that's moving as one. I know my daughter Emily. She'll she'll manipulate. Like I'll ask her. I say, "Well, did you ask your mom?" And she'll say, "She'll say, yeah, she didn't let me do that." But then I go to Chrissy and say, "Is this what you said?" And most of the time, it's no, I didn't say that. So <laughs> yeah, so being on the same page. Anybody else want to share anything? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that's good. One against the other. So we want to model that. We want to model that unity for them so they know what what part of a healthy, growing marriage looks like. So go for it. Being in agreement, being in unity. Can we give them a round of applause for, for their responses this morning and their experiences? That's fantastic. Thank you, but thank you all for being, being a part of this this morning. This isn't the last of them. You're going to see them again. Well. How convenient that they all said unity at the end, and today's message is love is united. How cool is that? Uh, We are in week two of our series, Love Is, and we are answering the great question, what is love? Uh, Forrest Gump said, and I'll butcher this, 
I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. Pearl reminded me of that. Terrible, terrible impersonation. Last week, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Last week, last week we learned that love is the goat. Uh, that's a sports. Uh, that's a sports announcer's way of wasting hours of time uh, because goat stands for the greatest of all time. And so uh, we talked about last week that love is the greatest. And we looked at God's template for what love really is in 1 Corinthians 13. That is our foundation that we are going to build on today. You can listen uh, again or catch up at picktownfc.com or get the Podbean app for free uh, subscription to our podcast. So week one was love is the greatest. Today we will learn that love is united. I believe that the, that unity in three areas is vital to the success of any relationship, especially marriage. Okay, three areas. Let's look at a definition for unity. I think we know it when we see it. Um, I could always tell when, when uh, a couple was divided, and uh, usually that's when I get invited into the picture <laughs> and, uh, and people are having trouble with each other. I could tell when my parents were on the same page and when they weren't growing up, and that's when you went and talked to mom because you could get away with stuff. And uh, so unity is the, sorry, Dad, so the unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole, W-H-O-L-E, the state of forming a complete and pleasing whole, especially in an artistic context, a thing forming a complex whole. I like that description. Complete, pleasing, complex. Can something really be complicated and pleasing at the same time? Well, thanks to some influence, uh, your parents always warn you on bad influences. Uh, well, one of my bad influences is Pastor Scott, and uh, he likes watches, and uh, I like watches, and uh, a lot more thanks to him. And so watches are cool. I, I actually liked them as a kid, but I like them more now. And here's the deal. The value of a watch goes up based on how complicated it is. And I'm not talking about the things you put a battery in and it's digital and it works perfectly forever. I'm talking about mechanical watches. The more complicated they are, the more valuable they are. To the point of millions of dollars, which is just astronomical, but these things become works of art and do ki all kinds of crazy things because they are mechanically, perfectly complicated. The value is high because it is beautiful to see something so complicated work in perfect unity. Jerry Maguire hit the mark when he said, you complete me. Oh, I like show me the money. Let's go to God's word. <laughs> show me the money. Genesis 2, 18 to 25 is our text today. If you want a second to get over there, Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 25 we usually read from the New Living Translation here. If, if you uh, want to follow along, if you've got the Bible app, I recommend you have it. And so you want to go to NLT if you have that. And uh, it's, a, it's just a fresh translation, today's language, so that people can access it. I don't prefer necessarily one over the other, but that's why we use it here. Verse 18 in chapter 2, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. The two are united into one. God gave me the core of this message almost 10 years ago, and I've been sharing it every chance I get ever since. And I've shared parts of this at, mar at weddings over the years because I believe that there are three roles within a marriage, and the average health or unity of each of these roles determines the health of the marriage. Just like uh, you have grades, on different classes, and then you have your overall GPA. I've used this as an illustration before. You have an average health inside your house. And I believe that it's going to directly correlate to the health of these three specific roles. Now, if you're single today, you can also apply these to any friendship, and if marriage is in your future, you will be better prepared for it. I guarantee it. Our friends from the panel are going to help us out a little bit further today because it's just not enough humiliation yet. The first role in any quality relationship is friendship. How about the Kemp's? Can you guys come back up for a minute? This is pain painless. You don't, you don't have to say anything. Come on up. Aren't these guys awesome this morning? Yeah. So basically, be my friend for a long time, and I'll embarrass you. So th there's your warning. Just stand right in front of me and stand side by side and hold hands and act like you like it and face the church. I know they like it. These are, this is a crazy couple that's in love with each other. Um, we have been friends forever. The first role in any quality relationship is friendship. Friends stand side by side. God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Couples should walk through life together. Companionship is vital to marriage. We've all seen the marriages where there is little or no friendship. No thank you. You guys can sit down. Give them one more round of applause. They are awesome. Oh, Justin, come back up. Come back up real quick. That's 50 bucks at Olive Garden or, or uh, Longhorn for you guys. Thank you for playing today. Yes. Make sure you guys keep dating. Jesus is our model of the perfect friend. He loves us even when we are unlovable to others. Have you ever been unlovable? Yeah, I, I'm good at that. It says in Hebrews 13:5 that God never leaves us or forsakes us. So question number one for us today as we look at our relationship, how are your friendships with your spouse 
and with others. I believe in a healthy uh, marriage that there, there's, there's a, a good place for, for us to have individual friends and stuff and to go, you know, to kind of go wandering somewhere else. Like I got to go to the Detroit Auto Show with some friends a couple weeks ago. And, and man, it was just nice to be with some buds and look at some cars that I don't know if I'll ever afford and, and buy hot dogs that I could afford and, and just spend some time with friends, right? I've got some really, really good friends, and I can tell you this, it requires maintenance. I see my best friends at least once a month, usually for lunch. We don't have a whole lot of other stuff in common anymore, but we are happy to see each other, and we always know that we have each other, but we keep that friendship moving. And so you heard date night get mentioned there at the end. It's about time together, and there are seasons in a house where mom and dad, you're, you're focused on something else, and and so, like, uh, my daughter that just flew back home to California, they're, uh, they're going to find out the gender of the baby, like, today. Like, I'm going nuts, okay? But guess what? Boy. Uh, guess what? They're going to be super focused. They're going to be super focused on this baby, right? And, and then especially, especially my daughter, uh, being mom, she's going to have her attention just going to be laser focused on this little pile of cuteness for a while and Jaime is going to be like hey what about me because guess what we had three kids and I was like hey I'm a baby too she's like I know right but so we have to we have to maintain that friendship we've got to go to the trouble to take the time to keep the companionship together because you can see when a couple is not walking through life together. And it's a shell of what it could be. What can we do if, uh, if, if things aren't going well in that area? Uh, when you consider time with, with somebody you're close to, does the, does, do you look forward to it? Are you excited about it? Are you intimidated by it? Or are you bored by it? What can you do? You need to find common ground. And if you can't find common ground, then you guys have to take turns jumping into each other's world. It, it's the only way it works. And especially when time gets thin together, you've got to make it work. You've got to find something to do together. So we're learning that there are three roles that need to be healthy. Number one was friendship. Number two is teamwork. We heard a little bit of this come through the demo, uh, the panel. I need, let's see, I need my, uh, uh, one of my other couples, Brent and April, can you come back up? I think they're a little more excited because they know they might be getting a gift card. Uh, come on up, come on up, Brent and April Haynes. Okay. All right, I want you guys to stand back to back, right in front of everybody. Can you do that for me? Okay. In addition to standing side by side in friendship, couples should stand back to back, protecting each other and facing challenges as a team. We all have at least one friend who's great to hang out with, but they disappear when it's time to work. Don't elbow anybody. Couples can have the same dysfunction. I've seen where a husband is lazy, and I've seen wives that have the princess complex. No elbows still, please. You are teammates. You guys can sit back down, but before you go, keep dating. 
Keep moving forward. Give them one more round of applause. We have seen, we have all seen houses where mom and dad have their own goals, they have their own friends, they have their own money, they have their own interests. There is little that they work on together. These people are basically just roommates. No, thank you. We just read in Genesis that man needed a helper. This was never intended to infer that the helper is a subordinate or a servant. Partner or teammate is a better understanding of the language used here. Life is full of responsibilities and obstacles. You get to become a double-edged sword together, combining your resources and talents to face what's coming your way. And if you're not facing something today, something's coming tomorrow. You also get to share the victories. If you promote and protect each other, then their win is your win. I've seen couples that become, they become destroyed by one person's success. The other person can't handle it. What if one person excels in their career and the other person's struggling? You can quickly become jealous or depend on who's making more or, or who knows the silly things that get into our hearts. But if you celebrate that person, then their win becomes your win. I don't do anything to help my favorite teams win or lose. They don't care if I bought nachos and sat there for three hours and watched their game. But they're my team, so their win brings joy to me. Their loss brings pain to me. Been there. But that should be the case in our relationships, right? Jesus is the model of the perfect partner because he accepts our weaknesses and covers it with his strength. Romans 8, 17 says we share his suffering and we share his glory. He shares his glory with us. That's amazing. He takes our weaknesses. He shares our weaknesses with us and he shares his glory with us. You talk about a lopsided deal, and yet God is all in for you today. I loved what Veronica said. God loves you. Question number two, do you feel like you are on a team? Think about your spouse's per perspective just for a minute. It's difficult. Do you think that they feel like they are on a team with you. It's tough. We all take our individual, you know, turns or times up to bat. Danielle's not with me at my job every day. I'm not with her when she's refereeing the kids and, and, and running our house. I tell people she takes care of business there so I can run 1,000 miles an hour outside of the house. So we have these two different jobs, these two different sets of roles. Each of us will jump in when the other person can't do something. but I want to feel like I'm on a team. What can we do if we're struggling with this? This is one thing that I think really helps. I think when you, when you fall into a groove, a rhythm, part of that is really satisfying. Like you know what they're, what, what they're going to do, they know what you're going to do, but you can quickly make the mistake of not talking about it anymore. Right? 
They go to work, check goes in the bank, da-da-da-da-da, the kids go to school, da-da-da-da-da-da. And around and around we go. A way to bring the team feel to it is to discuss and plan the workload together. Even if week number two looks awful lot like week number one, it's how you go through it together, even when you have different things to do. Um, there's still a place for specific roles, but there should be no lone rangers. There's a, there's a reason why you have a partner. All right, so three roles that need to be healthy in every relationship. Is this, is this okay with you guys? Is this meaning anything out there? Good. Because it's all I got, so you're going to hear it all anyways. Number one was friendship. Number two was teamwork. Number three is intimacy. All right, I need my third couple, Bob and Veronica Foley. Come on back up. Okay, so we said that couples stand side by side. We said that couples stand back to back. Thirdly, couples stand face to face. PG crowd. Our third couple wasn't a, that I had scheduled wasn't able to be here this morning, and Bob walks in the door, and I said, Bob, I got a job for you. Because I know they're up for it. They're crazy. And they love each other. <laughs> Couples stand side by side, back to back, and face to face. We have all seen marriages that have no visible passion or intimacy. There is dryness instead of life. God designed us for better than that. Intimacy is more than romantic physical affection. It is acceptance at our core. I believe that at the end of every day, I need to be able to look to heaven and know that I am God's and that everything is good between him and me. There is a great vulnerability when you consider that God is seeing you from the inside out. You guys can have a seat, but before you go, one last round of applause for the Foley's. Yeah, kiss him. Woo! <laughs> you may kiss your bride. Just a side note, when I was youth pastor across the street at Trinity, we used to do these spaghetti dinners to raise money. At, at uh, Valentine's Day, we'd have these sweetheart dinners. And, and Bob and would often sing. Or they would either sing together or he would sing for her, and it was awesome. So maybe, maybe we'll break that out one Sunday morning. But Genesis 2 that passage we read finished by saying that they were naked and unashamed. True intimacy is vital to your relationship. At the end of every day, you should be able to look into each other's eyes and know where you stand. We have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable for this to happen. Here again, Jesus is the perfect example of love. God made his son vulnerable by sending him to die in our place so that we can have life with God. Our third question can be the most painful, but also has the greatest potential to be life-giving and life-changing. If intimacy is transparency, then how clear is the connection between your souls? Why does our passage of Holy Scripture today end with, and they were naked and unashamed? Well, you talk about soulmates God took part of Adam's body and created Eve and gave them to each other in the first marriage. 
God gave his daughter Eve death. And so we have this beautiful picture of perfection. I don't think we fully appreciate this today because of context. Adam and Eve were living in perfection that hadn't been spoiled yet by sin. Adam hadn't said something jerky yet. Right? Our context is a culture that has drifted far away from God's best. Intimacy is something of a rare sort these days. Godly intimacy. Because it seems that everyone is naked and unashamed. What used to be shameful is now commonplace. What used to be outrageous and disgusting is now a New York Times bestseller and a Valentine's Day box office hit. That's a not-so-shuttle swipe at Fifty Shades of Grey. And we wonder where the intimacy went. Did God move or did we move? We moved. True intimacy only comes from a pure heart. Purity between a couple or purity between me and God. And I make my share of mistakes in both relationships. So thank God for a godly wife that chooses to forgive me and love me in spite of myself. And thank God for his son Jesus who died for my sins so that I could have transparency between me and heaven. I get to have Jesus's pure heart because of the cross. And if Danielle and I will take care of each other, we can have purity and transparency between us. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come cheap, but it's worth fighting for, right? True intimacy only comes from a pure heart. So question number three, so what's in the way of intimacy in your life? Psalm 24, 3 and 4 says this, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. I believe that some in this room are being challenged by this message. When you feel challenged or maybe a little irritated by something I say, look closely because I believe it could be the Holy Spirit drawing you to truth and healing. Because remember, we're building on a foundation that love is the greatest and that God is love. He is patient. He is kind. He looks forward, not backward, at our former failures that have already been forgiven. They don't come back up with him. And remember we said that love celebrates truth. So what can we do? There's only one source to purify your heart. There's only one answer. 
and that's to respond to God's love today and to allow him to heal you. There are three roles within a marriage and that the average health or unity of each of those roles determines the health of that marriage. Friends, teammates, lovers, side by side, back to back, and face to face. We were designed for friendship, for teamwork, and intimacy. Can we bow our heads this morning? Father God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that we can have some fun in church. Father God, I thank you for three couples that have put the time in and know how to treat each other after years of being together. Father God, we thank you for these God-given roles in relationships. What would a friendship be? What would a marriage look like without companionship? What does a mother and a father look like without teamwork? What does a couple look like without intimacy? Where there is death, where there is shadow, where there is a chill in the air. Father God wants to pour his grace out. He wants to bring the warmth and the beauty of love to you. He wants to have it between him and you. And he wants for you to have it between you and those he's given to you in relationship. If companionship is something that you need God's holy touch in, would you raise your hand this morning? This is not to embarrass anybody. This is for healing. I see that hand. God cares about these. He wired us for these things. He wants there to be life. Do you feel like you're on a team? We're not supposed to feel alone. We're not supposed to feel on our own. If you need a touch from God in the area of teamwork, he probably needs to do something inside of you too. Some people don't play well with others. I've had to learn this one. Do you want God's touch in this area this morning? Would you raise your hand and respond to his spirit this morning? See that hand? He sees these hands. He's good. He's faithful. He's perfected all of these roles, and he's willing to teach us how to do them. The third is intimacy. 
And this is so important because intimacy between you and God only comes through repentance and accepting his love. We can't earn it. We can't do anything for it. Our sins deserve death. We deserve the cold, dark place. And yet God chose to give us a place of life in our soul. If you've never responded to the love of Jesus before or it's been a long time and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to choose to put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand this morning. That's the most amazing thing we do. I see that hand. God bless you. Hallelujah. He loves you with a great and perfect love. He's the perfect friend. He's the perfect teammate. And he is the perfect love. Maybe intimacy is something you struggle with in your friendships, with your children, with your spouse, with your parents. Do you want a touch from that? Do you want God to change that part of your life today? Raise your hand where you're at. I want to pray with you. Father God, I see these hands. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that has moved in power. God, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that you cover our faults. God, I thank you that you love us when we are unlovable. And God, I thank you that you are capable of taking every ugly thing out of our heart and replacing it with the goodness and the perfection and the love and the grace and the peace that can only come from heaven. And so, Father God, I thank you that you represent a wholeness, God. The Trinity is perfect. There's unity there. Father God, I thank you that you designed us to feel like whole creatures. Father God, that there should be something in our heart that's constantly connected with you and that there's something in our heart that's constantly connected with the people that you've given us. And Father God, as that becomes distorted, as, as static enters the line, Father God, then the enemy is having its way instead of you. And so, Father God, whatever we need to release ourselves from, God, there could be something toxic that we have allowed in. God, we could be do, doing something out of your will, out of your plan, out of your time. God, would we, would we care so much about this that we would be willing to do these things your way and have your very best? Thank you, Jesus. If you want to come forward for prayer this morning, there's a few people in this room that would love to pray with you. You can just come around this, uh, this stage area. Nobody's going to judge you for that. We applaud you for wanting to go to Father God for healing. And this is a safe place to move forward out of darkness and into God's holy light. Let's stand and worship. If you want prayer this morning, please come forward. I guarantee you someone that loves you will come and pray with you.